0: pray. Father, God, we just come before you right now. Holy Spirit, we just ask that your voice is heard this morning. Lord, I just ask that your words penetrate our heart this morning. God, anything that I say that's not of you, may it fall away. But Father, the things that you want to put in us this morning, impregnate us with. Lord, I pray that these things just begin to grow in our heart. Lord, I ask that you soften our heart to hear the things that you want to bring this morning. Let our hearts be tender, good soil for your seeds to plant. Thank you, Father. I thank you for all of the finances, for the breakthrough, for the things that haven't come yet, for the things that will come, and for the things that have already been. Lord, I thank you for your provision in this time. We honour you. We glorify your name amen all right we are continuing on with the Christian F word this morning which is finances and we was everyone okay after last week I' didn't, no one was upset that's fantastic so we did all right but this morning I want to explain some of the principles I touched on last week some of the things that that I explained and some of the things that I brought forward and I want to take us a little bit deeper into some of these giving principles finances is something that's really um, difficult to speak with within a church system because it's been done so poorly. And one of the things that I want to be able to do is redeem some of these principles because I truly believe that God has outlined in the Scriptures ways in which we are to live in abundance and to live from Him and actually express who He is through the way that we, we live in our finances and we live with with all of our giving. So I want to touch on the five areas of of living a, a, a life of giving. But before I do that, I want to, I want to speak on a verse, if you've got a Bible, and you can go to Proverbs 13 for me. Chapter 13, verse 22. It says this, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Now, I I grew up with this first because my dad um, was big into housing investments and he had it in his heart that he wanted to leave an inheritance for his children and his children's children. Now, that task for him was rather large because there's five of us, five sons, plus he remarried and uh, his his. My stepmom now has two kids, so there were seven kids that he was attempting to leave an inheritance for, so you can do the maths. If he has if all of us have just one child or more than one, it gets a bit bit messy. But my dad had it in his, in his heart that he really wanted to leave behind an inheritance, and the inheritance that he wanted to establish was a house for each of us, that there could be a house for us as all his kids, we would be given a house, and then his kids' kids would be given a house. He got pretty close before the terribly unfortunate event of the GFC, which wrecked a lot of it. I think he had 14. He was heading towards one for each of us. He was kicking the goal, but it was robbed quite drastically from him. But I remember thinking about this as a child and then as I grew up and thinking what a valiant effort it is to do that. You know, that as a father, we got left with this inheritance that we would look after our kids in such a manner. So as I started stewing on this more and more when I was reading this book, The Hidden Kingdoms, I started asking God, God, what does this look like? What does this look like? How do we, how do we get to this place? And the, the prophetic teacher, Adrian Beale wrote something in his book which was really incredible and he used this verse and he changed the way that I understood it and it actually speaks of something, even though my dad's understanding of this verse is so valiant and amazing that he continues to uphold that, it speaks of something even more beautiful for us. The, word said, the, the verse says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. But that word man, as some of you would see in your Bible, the word man is in italics. And some of your Bibles will have changed the word to something else. And that word's in italics. The reason for that is I don't really know where that word came from. It was kind of placed in there, almost a little bit ad hoc, like it makes kind of more sense. So when you start thinking, why have I got a word italicized? But when you go back to the original text, there's actually no word there. And when you start to understand the words from Jesus in Matthew 19, he says this. He said unto him, Jesus speaking, Why do you call me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Jesus is saying, I'm not good. As a man, I'm not good. There are no good men. There is one that's good. It's the Father. Right? So Jesus understands that there's this position that it's the Father. So we go back to Proverbs 13 and we see that word man. It's saying there is one good God, right, the Father. So it changes the way we read the verse now. We see one good, a good God leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. So then you continue on. And you see that word children there is the word ben, the Hebrew word ben, meaning son. So then you reread the verse to see what it says, and it says, a good God leaves an inheritance to his sons' sons, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Do you see where this is going? The verse is actually speaking about an inheritance that's been given to the sons of God. You continue on, and it says, a good father... A good God leaves an inheritance to his sons' sons. The word wealth there that it speaks of, the wealth is laid up for the righteous. The word wealth speaks of revelation. See, Israelites in the, in the, in the journey through the desert, what was it that God fed them with? It was manna. Right? It was the manna from heaven, the food. That's why Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Because when we eat from him, we eat the revelation of the things of the kingdom. We eat of the things of God. So it's not talking about money. It's not talking about how I'm going to pay my way. It's the revelation to the things from the kingdom that come down. It's heaven on earth that we live out in. When we understand that that word wealth means revelation. It completely changes the way we read the verse. And it reads like this. Our good father, or God, leaves an inheritance to his sons' sons, and the wealth of those without revelation is stored up for those with revelation. See, what God is saying in this verse is that I've given my son an inheritance. Who was God's son? Jesus. And unto his I have given that inheritance. Us. God is saying in this verse that me, a good father, have left my son and my son's sons an inheritance of wealth and knowledge and revelation that goes beyond anything else that the world can give. This is fascinating because it starts to challenge the way we see our lives. It starts to challenge the way that we understand the kingdom because we sit back and we say, a good father there is only one leaves behind an inheritance for me right now. You see, when we look at the prodigal son, we love that story, but as the prodigal son runs back up the dirty drive, what does the father do? He replaces back the inheritance the son gave away. He puts on the shoes the, 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 the cloak, the ring, all of these things speak of his inheritance. The cloak is his covering from a father. The ring is the credit card that he was allowed to purchase things with. The shoes was the beautiful um, nature in which he carried on the family. See, the father has left all of us an inheritance to live from. Does that mean it gets to be a big boat and a fancy house? We'll get to that in a minute. Everyone's got their notepads out. Fancy house. Step two. Just me. (laughs) So there's five foundations. So God is saying... The reason this is so important is because God is saying that I have given you an inheritance, but the trick for us as followers of Christ is how do we draw on that inheritance? How do we actually live from that place? It's it's, it's, it's very difficult to say my, my God has given me inheritance when I can't pay my bills. My God has given me inheritance when I'm sitting in frustration or anger or anxiety and I'm going, God, I'm not living from the inheritance you've given me. And I think that there's five principles that the Bible speaks. I'm going to move through them quite quickly because I really want to get to the testimonies. But I believe that, that God has laid behind five uh, areas in which we, we live. Count, I misplaced the clicker. I found it. Can we start the slides, please? Thank you. Fantastic. It's five principles. The first fruits, the tithe, the sowing, the arms, and the life are the five areas which God has said, I'm going to give you a foundation in which your finances, your wealth, your revelation, your understanding of who I am will all come through these areas. And it it ties so much into how we live. So we're going to start with the first one. If you've got a Bible, go with me to Nehemiah 10. Nehemiah 10 verse 37, and it says, after Nehemiah has, has begun to rebuild, has, has rebuilt the city and he's starting to, to put forward and lay back down the foundations, he says, and, and to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, the fruit of every tree, the wine and the oil to the priests, to the chambers of the house of God, and then... To bring to the Levites the tithes from our ground, for it is the Levites who collect the tithe in all our towns where we labor. So there's two things that we see here. We don't just see the tithe, which I spoke about last week, which comes from the order of Melchizedek. He speaks of two things. He speaks of the first of your crop, and then he speaks of the tithe. And the reason that they speak in the language of the crop was the crop was the the way they designed their life, was the way they lived out in the ancient Jewish community. So I'm going to use it as obviously it wouldn't have been this square and fancy, but it helps me explain what it looks like. But I want you to picture the understanding that this square is the crop in which they would go and plow and, 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 and put the field together. So the first thing that they would do, once the once the field was full with fruit, was they would go to the first 2.5% of their their crop and they would give that, as Nehemiah says here, the first of their dough, they would give that to the chambers of the house of the God and they would bring it. And the reason that they would do this to the priests was that in this day, typically, the priests weren't able to go and to plow their own field, right? Because they were in the chambers before God. So they didn't actually get the opportunity to plow and to to raise a crop because they were spending their time before God building with him. So what they would do was they would bring that, but there was an understanding of each of these these, uh, principles. There is an understanding of both sowing and reaping. God is incredibly genius, which is not good enough a word, but he's incredibly genius the way he operates. 1 Timothy five seventeen to 18 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honour, especially those who labour in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the labourer deserves his wages. See, the understanding that they had in this is that as they went and sowed in as they sowed into the priests the first, the, the nicest parts of their, of their uh, labor in the field, that there would be a receiving of honor that would come and a receiving of revelation. See, the priest was the primary revelator who would spend the time with God, who would get the revelation and speak it out to the people. The idea of the 2.5% or the teruma was that they would come before God and say, I'm going to honor the ones you've sent. I'm going to honour the ones you've sent. And in that, I want to receive of the revelation and the honour in which they've had. Am I asking you to pay me 2.5%? No, I'm not. Do Jess and I do that? Yes, we do. Jess and I, out of our wage, we pay 2.5% to men and women in our life who spend time sowing into us who listen to our our marriage, who help us understand scriptures, who help us understand how to lead. We pay to those guys and it's a joy in my heart. Do they expect it? No. But what am I doing there? I'm saying to God, God, I'm honouring the men and women you've put in my life to revelate to me and to reveal more of your heart. And it's a joy for me to do it. Because in that, I want to operate in a position where God... Is being honoured, and those men and women are being honoured. Why? Because the Bible says, my Bible that I read says that they deserve double honour. So I would pay them as much as I could. Why? Because I want to honour you, my man. This house also pays that 2.5%. At the moment, to only one person, to Paul. Because Paul spends hours with me explaining how do I do this. Hey, Paul, how do I lead people how do I strengthen a community? How do I care for a community? He spends hours speaking to me, sowing into this house, behind the scenes, because he's unable to get here at the moment, but he's sowing into this house. So it is a joy for us to say, "Poor, we honor you. You are worthy of more than this, but we're trying to do our little part. Here it is. And you see, all these principles carry with a, a, a reaping, a sowing and reaping mechanism, but we never ever give in order to see the reap come in. I'll explain why. It's really simple. When I love my wife, I don't give her something in the hope that she will give me something back. I've explained this many times, but it's something we need to understand. If I go and buy my wife nice new earrings, I can't hold the earrings in my hand and say, this is a PlayStation 5. Can't wait for the reaping. Here you go, my love. I can't do that. That's not the way that I give. This is how I give my wife, you are beautiful and worthy of these earrings. They're yours. And that's it. But you see, because God designed this so beautifully, my wife's job is to love me and to look after me. Her job is to say, man, I want to I pour out on him. So she goes and buys that PlayStation 5. <laughs> hey, see what I did there? See what I did there? See, my job, my job is to love her with all that I am. End of story. And her job is to love me with all that she is. End of story. See, when Jesus said that my relationship is like a marriage, what he was meaning is, you love me with all that you are. And guess what I'll do? I'll love you with all that I am. Do you know what my job is? What's your job? To love you. Do you know what your job is? What's my job? To love me. See when we start saying things like, we start saying things like we get our tithe out of our pocket or our taruma out of our pocket. Someone gave this this morning. I didn't plan this, but I happened to have a fifty dollar <laughs> note in my pocket. When when we come and we say, Lord, this is my tithe. I need more tires on my car, and I'm tithing in faith. I'm sowing this in faith. I'm giving it to you, but these are tires. There's a fancy word for that. It's called manipulation. And my Bible says that manipulation is witchcraft. You see, we can't get caught in trying to manipulate the giving of the Father. Let me tell you a little secret. He will give better than you will. He will outgive you. So what do I do? Do my job. What's my job? Love him with all that I am. Let him handle his job. Because I tell you what, he will do it much better than you will do it. But what they did was they would bring this in an honor. They would bring this And the return for honoring the priest, the the, the return for honoring the priest was two things, honor and revelation. See, when I sow at 2.5 into the men and women who sow into me, there's a return. That return is honor and revelation. I don't do it for that, but that happens to be the transaction that God allows to take place. The first is the teruma or the 2.5. The second is the tithe. Go with me to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. This verse for me reinforces and backs up my statement last Sunday where I said, we don't need you to tithe. This house is not bound by people tithing. Why do I believe that? Because of what this verse says. It says, Ben, if you continue to pay the tithe like I've designed you to pay, you can test me, I'll keep the window open and I'll remove the devourer. See, the tithing is not so that the church can stay afloat because God is bigger than that. The tithing is the principle in which we enter into where God says you keep that tithe open and I'll keep the window of heaven open. And what the window of heaven open will do is it will stop the devourer from robbing the rest of your flock. From robbing, sorry, the rest of your um, farming term, which means bringing fruit in. Harvest, thank you. (laughs) Got caught up there in my words. You see, when we get to the understanding that the tithe is not, well, I paid my tithe this week. No, the tithe is for you to stay in the spiritual transaction and principles of faith with the Father. The tithe becomes so much more powerful because it's not about, well, I'm a big tither and a big giver good, you'll keep a big window open to stop the devourer from taking from your crop. See, what happens is is that we start to go into tough times financially and this is what we do. The first thing we do is we stop our tithe. And if you look at it from a spiritual principle, the first thing we do when we go into tough times is we reach up to the window to heaven and we slide the door shut. And then we go to our knees and say, Lord, help me. You see, I don't know if anywhere else in the Bible happened to be shown wrong. I've had a look and I don't seem to find anywhere else in the scriptures where we're allowed to test God. But in this verse, in Malachi, he says, test me, test me. If you've kept the window open, test me. When you're on your knees without being able to pay the bill, go to this verse, say, Lord, you said, God, you showed me the principle that if I continued to leave the, 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 the window to heaven open, you would come through. Nessie, does god come through in there you see when we stay with the window open when we say god i want the devourer to continually to be rebuked let my crop grow we think we're holding the 10% back and it's going to make our crop bigger the opposite is true it allows those with picks to come in and wreck the harvest sorry i forgot about slides i'm not a great slide guy 2.5% the next was the tithe which is 10%. The word tithe means 10%. So the next thing that they would take off their crop would be the, the, the 10%. They've already given 2.5. Now they would go and take the next 10%. They would give that into the storehouse. So Ben, what's the storehouse? Well, this is a, is a question that can become uh, a place of contention, but it's whatever for me, it's wherever it is, the place is. That continues to do the work of God, that you have called home, that you are being fed and that you are sowing into. So my taking of the storehouse, if you call this place home, is here. But if you're not from this house, please don't tithe here. Please go home to wherever you tithe and tithe there because that's your storehouse. You're visiting here and that's fantastic. But I'm, I, I can't compel you to tithe to this house. Why? Because this is not your storehouse. There's your storehouse. So go there and tithe. But tithe here if this is your home, if this is a storehouse. But I want to challenge you. If you are in financial troubles right now and, and you have lived this principle your whole life, I want to ask you something. Go to God. Test Him. Please, this is the only place that you can do this, the only place where God gives us the freedom, but go before him and say, God, I've kept the window open and the devourer continues to devour. I've kept the window open and blessing continues to be stopped. What do I do? Test the Lord in this. Numbers, just on this last one, Numbers 13, 20 says this, and whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. See, again, what happens when we start to get to a land of poor is we go, the first thing I'm going to do is stop. When Jess and I started leading, one of the first things we did, and Mal and Edie were already doing it, but I felt from God to increase it, was that we came in and we said, we're going to give more. Why? It makes no sense. We can't pay our bills. I was like, well, we can't pay our bills anyway. We already don't have enough. So we may as well increase our giving and really go down with a fight, right? Let's help as many people on the way out as we can. And do you know what happened to our finances? They flipped. They flipped. Because what, what, what we said was the window was open and I said, God, I want this thing open, open. I'm up there with a crowbar. Like, we want this open, Lord. Because what happens is when we start to get to a place, it doesn't matter whether the land is rich or poor. See, the woman at the well, she brings what she has. It's a principle to say it doesn't matter. What matters is the heart in which you bring. If your outgoings in a week are 100 and again, I don't, uh, wherever you feel this, your storehouse is, I don't care where you give it. But if your outgoings are $100 and you only get paid $80, give, some, give $8. Checking, check my mouse is right with Jez. Give $8. But Ben, I already don't have enough, I know. So you're already not going to make your bills. Keep the window open. Keep the window open and watch what God will do to the devourer all of a sudden things will start turning around, things will start shifting. You see, these are principles to sow and reap, to sow and reap. So they would carve the, the first 5%, the first, the first fruits that came in was the 2.5. Then they would take 10% was the tithe. And then they would step in to the seed in which they would use to sow. This was the harvest they would bring in. This was the harvest, the things that they would, that they would bring Sorry, I lost my notes. This was the offering, the seed offering. You see, because everything that would come in now, they would have a fruit. They would use this. They would bring it into a place. They would use it to sow, to, 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 to bring more, more, more seed into the field in order to see another crop grow. See, what they would do is once they would bring this in, they would take the seed from it. They would, they would distribute the fruit as they needed amongst their families. They would take and sow, sell some of it. But they would use that harvest to replant again for the next harvest. You see, what we have to learn to do as a people is that when our money comes in, we have to start looking, God, where do you want this to go? So when we have guests that come through and we have uh, ministers that come and, 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 and minister from this place or we ask for you to sow into something like Paola's bike or, or into Huawei and what we're saying is that we want you to sow from your seed bed. We want you to sow from the things you've now got in to see a new harvest and to see a reap and to see more come in from that. But again, we're not giving in order to get something. We're giving because God, this is a principle you've shown me. I'm going to sow out of the seed you've already given me. Jess and I find it an absolute joy to sow from this place. Why? Because we shouldn't have what we have. Just last night we were sitting at dinner and and Jess said, it is amazing where we've come from this time last year and even more amazing where we came from the time before that. As you saw last week, it's not because we get a, a massive salary from here. It's because God showed me this a few years ago and I said to Jess when we got married, we are not shifting from these principles. They're the foundations of living a life of giving and we are not shifting from them. From day one in our marriage, we established these these five things. So when a minister comes to minister, we sow. When someone comes to, to preach in this house, we bring them into their home and we buy the best steak. We buy the fanciest wine. We fill the house. Why? Because I want to honor them and I want to use what God's given me to sow into them so they feel comfortable, so they feel excited by what they're seeing, so they feel pumped and and blessed by the thing. Why? Because when they go, they're going to do it to the next people and to the next people and to the next people. And there's a harvest that starts to ripen. There's a thing that we get to start to take from. And you'll be amazed that every single person who's come into our home and, and, and been in that environment leaves behind a sweetness of their gift. When Adam left, man, we had dreams galore. I almost didn't know what to do with it. Every time Paul comes, I get excited and I, I write 47 titles to books that I want to write and things that I, I, I just, it just explodes my mind. Why? Because these are principles that God has given us. Don't don't bury your bread and don't eat your seed. You see, when we take our bread and we bury it into the ground, do you know what it does? It rots. It grows no harvest. When we eat our seed, do you know what it does? It turns to poo-poo's. You weren't, no one was ready for that one, were they? If that's offensive, there's a children's book called Everybody Poos, it's okay. You see, what happens is that when seed comes in, what seed is supposed to do is be pushed back into the soil so when we have seed come in, when we, start, when we start seeing an abundance flow, we start seeing finances come in, we're not supposed to go and make these big fancy lives of ourselves and make our living expenses so high that now we always need the money to be flowing in. We start to say, God, what do I do with all of this that I've got? God, what do I do with what you've given me? What is a seed that I can plant? I, I don't want to tell this. I didn't want to tell this story, but I feel God telling me too because I, I really don't want any accolades and I I know I can say that and then tell the story but Jess and I were at a shop the other day and there was a guy in front of me and I walked into the store and my heart beat for this man straight away and as we're walking through the shop I start praying God what do I why why is my heart beating for him what do you want me to do I'm not great at doing the evangelistic thing in the shop so I instantly I start getting nervous My God, what do I do what do you want in the end, I kind of forget about, it, forgot about it. We did our shopping and what we had to do, and it was like a clothing store. And we get to the line, and this man is standing at the front, and he had his dad, his old father, with him, and his dad had his hand on his shoulder. I think he couldn't see, or and we're standing there in the line, and he went to pay for the clothes, and his card declined. And I saw this out of the corner of my eye, and I turned, I said, I said to Jess. Now I didn't realize how loud I said it, but I said to Jess. Did his card just decline? And Jess was like, oh, I, I don't know. And then I saw the, the cashier guy put the bag at the back and the, the, the man and his father walked out. And I said, Jess, no, we, we can fix this. It's pretty easy. We can fix this. So I gave Jess the stuff I had in my hand and I ran out. I said to the man, sir, did your card decline? And he said, yeah. I said, I'm, we're going to buy you the clothes. And he looks stunned. He says, are you sure? I said, yeah, yeah, just wait for me. So I ran back into the store. We bought a clothes. It was no big deal. We run. I, I take the clothes back out to him. And I, again, I get nervous, right, because I'm not great at the whole, like, converting the guy or whatever it is. And I, I just, I'm, I know what I've got the bag. I got told to do, I get the bag, right. So I give the guy the bag. And I just had no words. Like, I, I couldn't get anything out. And I just said to him, hey, Jesus loves you. And he looked me in the eyes with tears in his eyes and he said, I know. Amen, brother. So I walked away and I thought, God, that's a bit of an anticlimax to what I thought, you know. I was thinking, you know, Jesus who? And then boom, I get to, right. So I walked back, kind of like, okay. But then we go to get in the car and this fancy, fancy Audi pulls up behind us. And she winds down the window and she yells out, hey, you two are amazing people. That's beautiful. Winds the window up and drives off. And I got in the car, I said to Jess, that's what God was doing. That's what God was doing. It wasn't for the old man. It wasn't for the son. That's what God was doing. So in that now I go, God, that's where my seed just got sown. I don't know what it looks like. Did I have to do the scary part? No, Leave that to Marcus. <laughs> I didn't have to do that part. I just did. I was just obedient. And hopefully she drove down the road and bumped into somebody else. And, and, but, and, and I don't know. And maybe that's an easy way to see it. But I thought, gee, I, just was, I was just diligent with my small seed that I sowed. And I don't know what grows from that. I don't know how long that will take to harvest. But man, I'm praying that that lady comes in and a harvest. I'm praying that she walks into some church here on the Gold Coast and says, I don't know what to do, but here I am. And someone says, I know what to do. for You You see, when we get our seed and we bring in our harvest and we stop looking at what is this going to get me, we start saying, God, what are you doing with this? Where are you putting this? Because the final one is this, the second last rather, is the arms. And it's quite fascinating it's quite fascinating because you know what the, the, the Jews would do? Is that after they had given their 2.5% then sowed their 10% then bought their harvest in, they would leave the outer ring, as you can see, they would leave the outer ring full of fruit. Just a small thin veil full of fruit around the outside. They wouldn't bring it in. And the reason that they would do this is they would leave it out there so that those who had no fruit, those who were needy, and the sojourners could come and take free food off the vine. So I start asking God, why the outside? Why the outside? It just seems harder. It just seems like I've got to step in and start harvesting from the outside. And God says, because I care for them to protect their dignity. You see, when we give, it is so hard to receive. I think receiving is harder than giving. It's hard, right? Because it, it pushes a part of pride in our heart that we didn't know was there. When someone says to you, I want to give you 10 grand, we start going, oh, I don't know. And you know what makes it even worse? You know what makes it even worse? When you can see that that person's not wealthy themselves. When all they have, they want to give to you. But what God does is He says, When you give to the when you give to the poor and to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Why? For their sake. To protect it for their sake. See, they would design this in a way that no one knew that the needy were skimming off the outside, that the sojourners were skimming off the outside. See when we when we get to our account during the week and we break up all our funds, there's a there's a leftover amount, and I and that's the joyous part to say, okay, God, what if this is going to the poor, poor and needy? What if this are you sowing? I was talking with someone the other uh, last week, and I was saying it was saying, you know, it's hard in today's society because we all carry card, and it's hard to not have. I said. What about a challenge, though? That the end, the start of each week, when you get paid and you pay your bills, you distribute all your thing. You just get some of what's left over. Get a twenty out, put it in your pocket, and wait. Every day when you're driving to work, God, who's the twenty-four? God, who's the twenty-four? I want it to have impact. I want it to change someone's life. I don't want only twenty bucks, but I want it to change someone's life. God, who's the twenty-four? And when you start, when you shift your mind, you start looking like that. And you're kind of walking around with it, like it's burning a hole in your pocket. Why? Because God is encouraging us to say, I have more than enough for you. You who are in me, I have more than enough for you. But learn how to draw on it. Learn how to stand with it. Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor, lends to the poor, and he will pay him for his deed. I want to explain something to you briefly before I move on to the last one. Each one of these comes, each one of these comes with its own uh, return, as I said, that as we sow, we see a return, as we sow, we see a return. And for the almsgiving, proverb says that whoever is generous to the poor lends to God, and he will repay him for his deed. See, when we give to the poor and needy, do you know what the return is? One for one. The return is one for one. When we, go, when we give our tithes, you know what the return is? The, the window being kept open and the devourer being kept at bay. The return for the 2.5% is honour and revelation. So what starts to happen when people go, well, I pay my tithe, I give it to the poor and needy. Awesome. That's fantastic. But your return for that is one for one. So you sow 10%, you receive 10% and that's great. But what you're missing out on are the other principles that have been laid out before. So the window's not open. Sorry, yeah, the window's not open, it's been closed. The devourer is not being stopped because you've decided I'm going to give all my tithe in a, 10, in a 10% to the poor and needy. Awesome, well done, that is great. And God will return that to you. But you're missing out on the other areas, the other spiritual principles. See, the other thing that people do is they say, hey Ben, um, I didn't tire this week and I don't need you to tell me that. I don't know either way, so it's okay. But they'll say, but don't worry, I bought some new cones and I put them in the, in the, um, below the stairs for you. And a part of what happens there is that somebody goes, I don't trust the people that I'm in, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the decision as to where my money goes. And guess what happens again? You miss the spiritual principles. I don't mind either way, like I said. But it's the principles that we're chasing. It's the, it's the spiritual foundations that get outlaid. Where if you say to me, I'm not tithing because the church is a crook. Hey, no problems with me. You're still welcome. I love you. But for me, I start looking and going, show me your life. And I'll show you where you're missing principles that are hurting you. Same with the 2.5%. I've had people say, hey, that, that, that doesn't count anymore. That's been removed. Great. I can't see that spiritually. Fantastic. There's no pressure. You're not a, a bad Christian or a good Christian either way. But I go, I promise you there's a principle you're missing out on. How do I know that? Because I do it. And I see the principle again and again and again and again. And it's the same with the, it's the, same with the poor and needy. You give in that. I'm not giving to them. They're just going to buy smokes and drugs with it. Okay you're missing out on the principle that god is going to reveal to you more faith when he gives back one for the one for one see when we position our heart in hardness when we position ourselves away from god he says you're missing out on my principles the last one before i move before we go into the two uh, two testimonies is this our life is set up to be a life of giving and a life of generosity See, I explained last week that we give with finances because that's the commodity in which we trade with. But a life of generosity in all areas of our life is what God's asking us to be. Give with your time. Give with your emotions. Give with your home. Give your car. Give with the things that you own. So when we start saying, man, I am just open with everything. Jess's family taught me something in a massive way in this. Their, their family have some of the coolest toys, jet skis, electric scooters, electric motors, and they just give it. Jess's mum, when, when she first had her car, would just let you drive it. I remember getting in it the first time and being like, why, why would you allow me to drive this? Because they just don't care. Because they go, God will give us more, it's fine, just take it, what do you want? Like they've lent their cars to everybody. I'm like, who's got your car? Ah, oh, some guy through some other guy. I'm like, what do you mean? Because there's a heart of generosity where it goes. It's just stuff. It's just stuff. Take it. My time. Hey, I, I get upset when people say to me, sorry for wasting your time. I'm giving you my time. You're not taking it from me. I'm giving it to you because I I, I want to give it to you. If I sit down with you, it's because I, I, I want to sit down with you. Right? When we learn to live from a position of giving, we start to see these these principles, and we start to see God revealing more and more. I have so much more to say in this, but I want to I want to stop because I want to get to these two testimonies, because they reveal the heart of of these principles in a way that is not just me telling you to do this, but that there is actual life in this. So, um, if you would all like to please, Shawnee, we're going to go with you first. So, if we all give Shawnee a warm Clapper, clap a Okay, yeah, and just turn the mayo off there. Thanks, bro. Sweet. Quick little lesson. It's got to touch your chin. Are you asking questions? Fantastic. Yes, I'll ask you a question to start with. So this is Sean, everybody. Welcome. Hi, Sean. I wanted Sean to, to explain um, just a smidge of, of his financial journey because, which he'll, he'll tell you, I kind of want you just to touch on the nut milk and, and what happened there and what you felt God explain to you and then the way that sort of played out, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that there's something powerful and, and I want to honour this man because Sean stepped into something that I don't know I could have held on the way he held on through this. So why don't you just give us a little bit of background with the nut milk thing, what happened there, and then where God's got you now. Yeah.
1: Can I I'll just, I'll just go, go yeah. back before that? Go for it. Um, sort of before I actually started following God, I kind of I grew up in the church a bit, and I was sort of came back, and I was sort of one foot in, one foot out for a while, a couple of years. And um, I started working out west, and I was on really good money, and I was putting 20% away. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give this to God, even though I wasn't really walking with him. I thought it'd be a good thing to do. But um, anyway, I, I put it in a in like a bank account, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll earn interest on this and it'll be even better. And I didn't actually give it away straight away, <laughs> which is probably a bad thing in hindsight because when I ended up losing my job or the, the work ran out, um, the first thing I turned to was that and I started using that to build up my resume and get tickets and whatever so I could go back out there and keep being on the big money. <laughs> and so anyway, I ended up blowing through it all just to... Um, just to try and get back out there and then didn't end up getting back out there and then felt quite guilty about it because I was like, oh, well, there goes all that money that I was supposed to give away. So, um, but then I actually heard a um, this verse from uh, Andrew Womack and it says, um, I will restore to you, this is from Joel too, I will restore to you the years that the swarming, lo- swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. So, when I read that, I was like, "Oh wow!" Like, you know, I let the locust eat the the seed that I was supposed to um, that I was supposed to give, and God's gonna restore that to me anyway because um, my heart's in a better place now. So that, I don't know. I thought that was in line with what you were saying, but um, yeah, getting to the my financial situation. Uh, moving on from that, I um, I. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was twenty-four, uh, two thousand and fourteen, I, and I don't know. I was just I was just in a really good place with God. I just felt like I could just give everything and just you know, <laughs> yeah, just uh, yeah. Felt like I could just give everything, and I had a dream, and dreams are kind of important to me because it was that's what God gave me when I um, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the dream was uh, someone said to me. Uh, in the dream uh, you need to be like Cornelius it's like Cornelius like I think that's in the Bible but I'm not sure so I like googled it and it's like Cornelius um, basically says Cornelius is a generous and God-fearing man and that's pretty much all that said about him so I was like okay okay that's pretty cool and um, I I'd sort of met some people through the ministry that I um, was involved in at that point and that started a business and I felt to, I felt like God was pushing me in that direction to be generous to them. And so um, I don't want to go into details massively, but I sort of got involved in that business and and was quite generous to them. And um, it, it went well for quite a while, a number of years, and then it all kind of it all kind of fizzled out and there was a relationship breakdown there and I basically got left with nothing as a result of that. So, yeah, that was quite difficult, but that's the long and the short of that.
0: Yeah, but just I know you don't want me to give you the details, but it was a it was a hefty sum of money. It wasn't a small amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It and, it, and it left you with zero. Yeah, but you felt God say to you, "Give that money."
1: Yeah, yeah. So, in, I guess my mum used to say to me that try um, she'd try and look for I guess three signs or confirmations to hear from God, and I felt like I'd had those three things, and so. I was still learning the voice of God at that point and I didn't seek any counsel <laughs> during that point at all and I kind of wanted to rely on, I guess, my, my faith in what God was saying to me. So, um, yeah, so I decided to do that.
0: Cool. So fast forward, it's been like six years now, right, yep. since that? Yep. So where where are you now in all that?
1: Yeah, so um, it, so should I talk about what happened yeah, yeah, afterwards? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So... Um, having that relationship break down and losing everything, I sort of, I don't know, I was, it was annoying, but, I'll actually no, I'll back up a bit. During during the whole process where there was a relationship breakdown, God gave me another dream and um, it was, no, no, sorry, sorry, it was right back at the beginning when I'd given the money, he gave me another dream and it was kind of a strange dream, I just put it on the back burner, I was just like, okay, well, I don't really know how to interpret this or what it means and then, as I was going through the whole process of, um, I guess, just the, the toxic relationship that that brought about, that dream came to mind. It was a perfect representation of what I was going through. So it, it, it basically showed me what was happening, but I didn't really... It, it also brought a little bit of uncertainty because I was like, well, you know, was I always supposed to go through this? Mm. Um, was this something that, God, you'd planned from all the way back then you know, um, it was almost—it like, was—it was comforting in the fact that I'd received the dream, but it was also confusing in the fact that um, I wasn't sure whether how I was supposed to walk this out. And I guess that's something that I had to really work with God through.
0: And I think in that, and one of the reasons why I wanted you to share was, Sean felt to to step into this this place of giving, and I think sometimes we always drum it up that it's going to be so receive, so receive, right? We 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 draw it up in our brain like, well, this is the right thing, so. Two minutes later, I'm going to look around and and you know there's going to be five, ten, a hundred fold return on my on my doorstep. You know, I give a guy one money and the next day I get a check. You know, and, and I think in that we we establish this weird sort of theology where again we get focused on what I'm going to receive in that. And I'm not saying that's what he did, but what what this story tells for me is I heard God tell me to do this, and when I did it, it didn't look like I wanted it to look. No. That didn't come out to be what I thought it was going to be. But then, standing where you're standing now, what does your business financial life look like now? Like, where, where have you come since, since learning that, coming through that journey, and what, is, what does it look like for you now?
1: Yeah, um, so after, after that had all finished, the, the, the almond milk business and um, that relationship, um, I came into a relationship with Josh. And um, we'd sort of been through a similar situation in, in some ways, um, and similar upbringings and that sort of thing. And we we're both sort of committed to the business path, I suppose you could say. We both had a bit of an entrepreneurial streak to us. And anyway, um, at one point, I was going to buy out that other share of the business, and i bought a dehydrator from China to, um, to in preparation for that. And anyway, when that all fell over, I just said to Josh, you know help me sell this and we'll if we make a profit, you know, we we'll split 50-50. And so we did that and then we sort of just kept, we we're like, oh, okay, you know, there could be something here and we just kept building and building it um, just off the back of that one sale that we had no idea what the market was like or anything and um, the, the business kept growing and growing and Ben graciously let us work out of an office upstairs here for quite a while and then um, we ended up getting the little unit just two doors down there. So I don't know. It just kept growing, and God kept blessing it, and we're able to um, tithe directly from the business, and we have from day one uh, because we both, Josh and I, both understand those principles. And yeah. That sort
0: of thing, yeah, That's what I honour these two boys as well. Like they, this is not a a business that there's two of them. They have something like ten, fifteen employees now, across four across four nations. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they just yeah they just keep employing the people in the church. But, but the, the beautiful thing that I've got to watch with these boys and, and both of them come through financial heartache is the way that they've established this business is that, and I know they, they wouldn't want a pump tire for this, but they are sowing into four other nations. They have employees on their books that they're allowing to go and do ministry in, in, in third world nations. They are operating from a place where they're saying, okay, God, if you keep giving, we're going to keep giving. So what, what they've established here is that the window to their business is so open. And I want to commend both of you. Well done, especially coming from pain and heartache, Shawnee, where you could have just tossed it all in and said, I'm not doing this giving thing anymore. It doesn't work, right? To, to pull through that. And and I, I just want to pray quickly for you and just believe and trust that that whatever was stolen in that time would be returned. So I not just reach your hands out. So Father, we, we just come right now, Lord, and we ask God that there be a return given, Father, for the things that the, that the devourer took in that time as, long, as Sean was learning these principles and learning these foundations, God. We just trust right now, Lord, that, that whatever it was that was stolen will be returned, Father. I thank you for the faith these two men carry and for the business that they've been able to build, for the, the work that they're putting in for you, God. May there be increase among increase among increase. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sean. That's awesome. All right. Debbie. Last but certainly not least. Would you like a chair, my dear? No, sure. Do you want two more tables to fit your Bible on there? or? Yeah, it's the big Bible. Yeah. Now, you've got to talk to it like it's an ice cream cone. Okay. Oh.
2: <laughs> this
0: is Debbie, everybody.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and Debbie has been on the most incredible journey. So I don't know what she's going to share this morning. I'm giving her full slather. <laughs> I know bits and pieces, but okay. she's been on an incredible journey. I just want to honour you before you Thank start. You. Thanks well done, Dan. Debs.
2: Thank you. Go for it. Okay. Um, this happened, obviously, a few years ago. So there was bits and pieces that I had forgotten. But over the week, the Lord's been reminding me little bits and pieces. So I'm just going to share. And hopefully um, the Holy Spirit just reminds me so I don't get so nervous. And <laughs> um, A few years ago, um, my husband was diagnosed with cancer and he's was the main breadwinner of the family and it was getting close to the end of his life and in the back of my mind I was worried financially you know what's going to happen to me cuz he was the one that took care of me so uh i started taking over things because he could you know he couldn't do these things anymore so i started taking over like the internet banking and and what have you buying the groceries, doing all this stuff? So, um, at near the end of his life, um, he got a small pension, disability pension. He had we'd gone through their savings, we'd gone through all his uh, leave, sick leave, and stuff at, at his job, and um, he was uh, losing his appetite. So he would just. He would watch TV all day in this nice big chair we bought him, comfy chair for him, and um, his. Uh, he seen this whenever there was an ad for food, it would make him hungry, so so I would rush out and I would get him what he you know, what he wanted. So this one day he wanted onion rings from Hungry Jacks, so <laughs> me being you know me being me, I'm like. I'll go back just one little bit. So what I did was I took out $500. I took out $500, and because when I was t- starting to take over the finances, um, I'm going to make this $500 last all month. I said to myself, I had this like great plan in my head. You know, I'm stepping up. So I went out and, um, to get these onion rings for my husband. <laughs> and I'm driving... I'm driving and I'm getting close to Brisbane Road and there was this young man with dreadlocks and tattoos, hats and, and <laughs> dreadlocks and tattoos and he's um, pouring water and washing the windows of the car of the car, neck, car that I passed by and the Lord says to me, uh, I want you to give this man, this man some money. And I'm like, what? So I, I go and I get... I didn't have an opportunity to stop because the light was green. So I went and got my Hungry Jacks, did a, did a U-turn. And, but while, while I was waiting for the Hungry Jacks, I got $300 out of my wallet. And I, I had it all ready, made a U-turn. And, oh, God, his timing's just so perfect. Made the U-turn, boom. Light was red, right beside him, where the um, lady was. They was finishing up with a, another car beside him, so I got the window down and I fanned out the money. I thought, well, okay, we're gonna have fun with this. So I said, "Excuse me, sir, the Lord wants me to bless you today with this money." And I handed handed him the three hundred dollars, and he's like, "What?" And the lady in the car beside must have saw, cause she had her hands in her head like this. So I gave him the money, and he's like, he's like, what, what? He's like, uh, uh, you're so this, and you're so that, and I'm like, no, 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 the Lord wants to bless you with this money, and he he was all. It was the middle of summer. He was all sweaty, and he wanted to hug me. So I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I let I let him hug me, and then then, so the light turned um, green. He says, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. So I pointed to the the Celtex. They're at Brisbane Road in Harbourtown, Harbour Town. And I so I pulled in there and I I no no sooner pulled in there and the Lord says, give it all to him. Give it all to him. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so big big. <laughs> so he got back to the car and I said, Um, the Lord wants me to give it all to you. So I handed him another two the last $200 I had, and he didn't want to take it. And I said, please, the Lord wants you to have this $200. So he took it begrudgingly, and then he says, I want to know about you. So we chatted for a little bit, and uh, he wanted to, uh, and and I, and I had this, you know, the onion rings are getting a bit cold by this time, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, my husband needs onion rings. Um, <laughs> so, so that was it. My fancy $500 woo-hoo that I was, you know, planning on lasting all months is, 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 you know, is gone. But this, this guy, it was amazing. So we chatted a little bit, and I said, look, I have to get going. And he said, oh, you know, he kept saying, thank you so much. You're this, you're that. And I said, no. I said, No. And he pointed to heaven, he goes, God. And I said, Yes, God. And he he just his expression changed and I waved goodbye to him. And as I seen him walking off at of Brisbane Road, here he is with his hands raised in the air, praising God. And so so all of a sudden, when I saw I saw that, my car, the whole car erupted. In this full on heavenly party, I had so much peace. I had so much joy where the Lord were high fiving, were uh, um, praising and worshiping, laughing and crying. The whole car was just filled with the presence of the Lord. Uh, it was just so amazing. And uh, on my way, so I got home. No, he gave me a, this is, this is where the Lord's. Reminding me of these things, he gave me this rock. This um, young man gave me this rock and a f- little flyer. So I put it in my I put it in my bag, and I didn't think of it. And I got home, uh, apologized to my husband that I was a little late, that uh, the traffic was a little little busy out there. You know, blessed are the peacekeepers. And so, um, so I got. Uh, Hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, So I got my hubby his onion rings, and he had a few. And um, so the next day, I looked in my bag, and there was this rock, and there was this flyer. So this young man was obviously into, um, the New Zealand people here would probably know, healing into this... Reiki, uh, I don't know what it's called. So it was, he gave me this rock and this pamphlet about this healing thing, and I'm like, whoa! At that point in my life, you know, it was like, ah! So I chucked the rock in the in the I chucked the rock in the garden. I ripped up this healing pamphlet because it was like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. But saying that, I pray for his soul, and to this day, I I think of him and I pray pray for him, but um, now this is just unbelievable, this is, this is the part that I don't understand, but I kind of understand, but it's so much bigger than what I can understand it, so I, uh, little, I just got prompted to go look in my purse, so I went and looked in my purse, and there was $200 in my purse, where there was, I had given it all away. It was supernaturally $200 in my bag. I kind of couldn't figure it out. I couldn't understand it. I'm thinking, oh, did I take out $700? No. I, took out, I knew I took out $500. So that $200 lasted me the whole month. Supernaturally bought the groceries. It paid perpetual. It paid the phone bill. And, and it just, one plus one did not make two. Do you know, it just, it. so, so I've been, so it. God was showing me because, you know, being in the situation I was in, showing me that he's the one who's going to supply all my needs. He's the one who's in control. I'm not in control. He's in control of my life. So it's been a huge, and so I live my life today, a life of giving and, um, when you think of what I live on—a very small income—but I, I am so rich. I just every, everything is met. Everything is met, and I can i don't understand it because God's just so much bigger than our, you know, what we could imagine. So um, I just have a verse if I could, and I also, when I've been pondering my um, testimony, I just, pondering my testimony. Um, the Lord gave me scripture and also a vision I'd like to share with you. So this is this is from Corinthians nine verse six to nine. Okay, but I say, but this I say he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Bountifully, So let each give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed to the abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever.
0: It's good, real good.
2: So, um, the vision office. So, this vision, it's for here, it's for today. Uh, Right in this church, we're standing here, and there's there's a, a, a treasure box, treasure box, and it's old. It's like the wood and the latch small treasure box and two hands are pouring out the treasure and it's the treasure is like how can you fit all this in the treasure it's going the box is it's just flowing and flowing flowing all these coins all these gold coins going out of the treasure box and we're up to our knees here in the in these gold coins and all of a sudden we start picking up the gold coins we start giving them out and every time we take our hand back, we open up in our hand, there's two gold coins, we take another gold coin, we give it out, there's three, there's four, there's, and it's just this endless, endless supply of um, gold coins, and um, there's so much fun happening, so much joy happening in it, we're starting to see all this fruit produced from this, so um, yeah, joyful giver. That's good,
0: can you pray for us before? Mm-hmm. Give her a clap. Come on. <laughs>
2: before,
0: before I get Deb to pray for us, I just there is something in this, and, and Deb just brings the slam dunk verse just there. <laughs> this, is, this is a, a reality God. that you have to walk in. You have to find out. You have to go and ask God. Go back and listen to this. Listen to some of the things that have been put before. Go and, and ask God, what is this? These things that, that Sean has shared, that, that I know Josh can share, that I know Nessie has has stories, that, that a lot of us would have financial stories. Ask somebody, you know, do you have one of those stories? And if this is not something that's taking place for you, go back to that verse in Malachi and ask God, God, how? What are the foundation? What are the principles? So why don't you stand? I'm just going to ask Deb to pray for us and to pray us <laughs> out and just pray that verse over us. If that is, If this is for this house, it's for every one of us in this. It is, it's so for you everyone, yeah. Open up, your, uh, open up your hands and just receive what, what, what God has poured out here oh, this God. morning.
2: Oh, we just thank you, Father God, that you are in control, Father God. And um, I would just ask that you bless this congregation with a giving heart, Lord, because you want to supply all our needs according to your riches and glory, and it is so much bigger and better than, than that what we can do by ourselves. I just, I just ask these principles, Lord, that uh, be poured out, these principles be poured out in our hearts, and that we would start to be obedient and walk in them, and just spread your love by giving there, there's so much things that happen, good fruit, that good fruit presu- produces from all this, Father God. I just want to bless each and every one, Father God. Those who are worried about finance, Father, this is for them. Father God, those that, that um, need need things in their lives, Father God, that they just take that opportunity to just step out and give. So, and you, you they can see that blessing blessing coming. In, the, in ways that we could never imagine, Father God. I just, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I thank you that the windows of heaven, you've already given us all the treasure. The windows of heaven are open and that we just start to be obedient and um, all, all to your glory too, Lord, to your glory. Hallelujah. As, as we give to those people that are in need, whatever whatever it, it may be or look like, um, Father God, that um, you touch people's hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name
0: we pray, amen. Amen. <laughs> Debbie, well done. I'll get you down to preach in the next few weeks, eh?